Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pixel and Pop. This is episode number two, and today we're going to talk about outcomes. We're going to talk about starting with the end in mind. And I am Paul. I am Andrew. super excited about today's topic and today we're talking about outcomes we're talking about starting with the end in mind and how that can be helpful not only from the lens of an agency but also from a product company and how outcomes means different things in those different contexts yeah i think it means exactly the same thing i was thinking about this a little bit obviously your background and mine are different i have more of a product leaning i spent more time there but product companies have exactly the same wants as as any other right that ultimately you want to satisfy the customer whether that's an internal or external customer. And you need to get away from this idea of building features for the sake of building features. And I really think that having the end in mind, worrying about the outcome, not the output, equally important, uh, regardless of, of whether you're a product company or not. The history of product companies, though, at least from what I have seen uh, myself, it's just that you've gone through this sort of output focus. It's, it's how many lines of code can we write in a week? How do we incentivize people based on the number of lines of code or products or features they ship? People will game that system all day long and you'll end up with a ton of things going out the door. But you know, there's no guarantee that any of them are actually going to solve the problem you want. The switch to being highly outcome focused in a large capacity from being more customer driven, more business outcome driven and actually seeing revenue change John Doerr wrote a great book called Measure What Matters, which is uh, sort of the precursor to OKRs and objectives and key results and creating a framework to help your company achieve what it's looking to achieve and measure them. He was instrumental in really making that structure really popular and making people understand why it matters more to build the right thing than to build many things. That's a great point. I think it would be super helpful to make the argument for why it's super helpful to have outcomes as your North Star when we're working on projects, when working with internal teams, and when working with the client. Now, I know for a fact that when I'm working on any project, right from the briefing, when we first meet the client, we get the conversation going, and the client's trying to describe the problem and the challenge that they have. Usually that's like the symptom, what they're describing. When you start to pry and start asking questions, you get a layer deeper and you peel away, kind of ask them, okay, so why are we doing this? What are you trying to do? What is the outcome that you have in mind? What are the business goals that you have in mind? What do you want the customer to do? What is the kind of work or what is the kind of help we as an agency or as creative people can give you to get you to that place? And then you can further take that thinking and bring it back into the internal team and say, okay, so if this is what the client is saying in terms of the business objectives and the business outcomes, this is what they're trying to do. For example, you know, we want to increase our sales or we want to increase awareness. All that translates into a creative brief, which as a creative leader, we can take back to our internal teams and say, okay, if this is our goal, then all the activities, all our thinking needs to get channeled and focused in with that in mind. Yeah. So I think that in terms of outcomes, Although product companies and advertising and marketing companies, they're seen as like opposite ends of that spectrum. I feel that outcomes is, I would agree that is this unifying thread between these two different agencies. I think something I've come to appreciate in our conversations, but also in conversations that I've had with people who've run agencies before, is that we have a lot of the same wants, a lot of the same objectives ourselves, right? It's it's not really that different. When I think back to 
my earliest exposure to agency work and marketing work and this sort of thing, it was always, so the implicit understanding was always outcome driven. And the reason being that if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, you're just going to start off on the wrong foot, no matter what, right? You were mentioning that brief to set up your teams to do good work. It's like, I imagine uh, that if you don't have that set up well at the beginning, every decision you make along the way is probably going to be off. And the further you get away from the beginning point to the end, you know, you allow for larger and larger drift. I'm really curious from your perspective, how do you ensure when that brief is being created that you really are focused on the right outcomes? So one of the interesting nuances that you brought up is that output versus outcome. Now, one of the main differences that I've noticed in the mindset of being output focused versus outcome focused is that in an output focused situation or context, you're seen more as an order taker and as a production extension, production unit of, for the client versus being a strategic partner. So that falls under the umbrella of being output focused. And if you start thinking outcome focused, then you become this strategic advisor. You become a true consultant and a champion and a partner to the client's problem. And that completely aligns with what I feel inside of the product organizations I've worked at because you have a mix of the product team itself, the designers and the engineers put focus would just be like your product people get the right spec, your designers design based off the spec, they hand it off to the engineers, the engineers are expected to blindly build something and you really care about how many things get shipped out the door so that people will use them versus having a very collaborative, which is what I really resonate with what you're saying there, really collaborative process which values each input. You can only do that if you are all focused on the, on achieving the same outcome. You may not know how to get there, but you know what you want to achieve and all those different inputs that can help you get there uh, more effectively. That's such a good point. I can totally link output and outcome to a person's career path as well, because typically when you start out as a creative person, you're literally saying to the client, okay, how can I help you? And the client's like, okay, make a poster. And they're like, okay, I'll go make a poster. And you're just excited about doing the thing that the client wants you to do. And you, you really don't even yeah. get to a point where you're asking these curious and inquisitive questions. By the way, throwback to the last episode where we were talking about how as you as a creative leader, as you evolve, you begin to ask curious and inquisitive questions. Uh, I really like that thinking, though, which is interesting uh, as we dive into it, because I also think we talked last episode about how you value yourself. We, we, we touched on it a very little bit. Yeah. But it's why something like Fiverr when it came out, get your logo designed for $5. So you were you were placing a monetary value on the output, right? Okay, $5, get a logo, awesome. No one's talked to you about how effectively that logo fits into a branding strategy, whether it actually resonates with uh, your audience well. There's very little in the way of collaboration. Even something like, I think, LogoJoy, a couple of years ago came out and it's like, oh, AI will help you build a logo. Basically, it's the same thing. It's a couple of inputs and outcomes a logo. That is a very different deliverable than an outcome-driven collaborative approach with an agency. Paul, you would obviously be the expert here uh, between the two of us. But that seems like a huge distinction of why if you value output, you would pay $5. And if you value the outcome, you'd probably have a much larger budget and be willing to invest the proper amount of time. That's such a good point. There is a clear distinction between output and outcome driven. And then you can also tie that earlier in somebody's career, they might be more output focused. And I think you brought up some great examples yep. of Fiverr and LogoJoy and Upwork and all that stuff. And then as you grow and mature and become a creative leader, you start becoming more outcome focused because you start also asking more curious and inquisitive questions and you start aligning with the client's business objectives and business outcomes and also start thinking about how is the work that I'm going to do today and moving forward going to help the client achieve their goals, but also help the client's 
customers and users, help them achieve their goals. So there's such a interesting connection between output and outcome, not only from the lens of how it affects the work that you day to day, but how it also connects to your career path. And I think you're 100% right there. I am like just thinking about myself as a more junior professional, my ego was wrapped up in my work and I cared about getting the work done quickly. I, I thought that efficiency was a measure of performance, right? I, I, if I got it done quickly, and I always assumed it would be right. That's a fantastic result. Problem was that looking back, I don't think I was right often enough. It's fast, sure. But how many times did I have to redo that work? And to your point about career, the further along in my career I got, the more I was willing to invest at the beginning, understand that like moving slowly at the beginning to correctly identify the outcome we wanted, how we were going to measure it, what we didn't know, what we did know, spend a lot of time in the research, then lets you move faster on the execution bit to provide an overall better deliverable for the client. When you're trying to go from output focus to outcome focus, the upfront work can sometimes slow you down. And sometimes if you're not experienced enough and you don't know which questions to ask, you can basically go off track and demotivate the client or your team because they're like, why are you adding all this complexity when the ask is just make a poster or make this one feature? But when you start asking those questions and you don't, and if you don't have the right experience, you can really slow down the decision making and cause fatigue within your teammates and the client. There's so many interesting things that come out of this, that fall out of this discussion, because being output focused for any vocation really puts you as a cog in the wheel. Then you you work on an assembly line. You're gonna deliver a logo. Then you're going to deliver a design treatment. Maybe you're going to build a button, whatever this thing is, and add that to the whole. The problem is early days in this industry, that was how design was viewed. How do you add aesthetics? Over time, I think a shift to being outcome focused for the business has identified the unique value that design brings to the table in that case. And now outcome focused organizations and clients appreciate, you know, there's a massive impact as well as a collaborative impact for a design professional who wants to include others to be collaborative in that process. And so it's not just do I make more money? Is my process better? It's that as an industry, this whole massive industry needs to move to being an, an outcome focused one, because otherwise you can never value what you do or never represent what you do well enough business that it is valued in the right way. You desperately want to stay away from, oh, design just does insert anything, right? Because at that point, you're a commodity and you're not a partner. The beauty in what you're saying is that now design is a conversation that happens at the beginning, not as an afterthought, not as a lip service. And I think tech paved that path for design to become an integral part of the organization and, and a part of business conversations. That's really interesting because I'm not sure I fully agree, which is funny because I'm I'm in that because I actually look at it and say, I think that agencies have much been outcome focused for longer, uh, much longer. Now, I will agree that certain companies made design, a, the impact of design, a priority. You know, everyone loves to put Apple on a pedestal for this and certainly they really leverage it as heavily. But other companies have too. I mean, think about things like, you know, Airbnb, whenever a company heavily invests 
in design really prioritizes it, views it as a strategic differentiator to its competition. Those companies who have a high design maturity rating tend to, to do twice as better from a revenue perspective than companies that don't. I believe it's McKinsey put out a report this year we can link to. Really, really interesting stuff because they're going through the work of trying to quantify what has historically been a fuzzy qualitative impact but quantify the impact on the business for companies that do or do not invest appropriately in design. If you combine that with some of the work that Envision is doing on building a design maturity index, which rates the company how mature its design practice is. And again, the more mature the company's design practices, the more impact they can make to their bottom line, to their revenue, because you, you have designers just think differently. The work that they do matters because given two competing products that are exactly the same, you know, your users are likely to buy and then stay using ones that are, are better designed, easier to use. So I think we covered some great points here, and I'm going to quickly summarize what is outcomes and why are they important and how is output driven is different from outcome driven. I think a good segue would be to talk about how do you decide on the outcomes? How do you focus and prioritize? And then can there be more than one or two outcomes? I'll be very interested to see how different our answers are on these. So from my perspective, you know, say your product company, uh, you have a product that's already out there and you're simply looking at understanding how well it's performed. And if you're measuring that, you know, with usage metric, retention metric, you know, time on task or task completion metric, if you're measuring these things and you see any one of them dip below a certain threshold that you've set, that's important to you. You'll that it's very easy then to set an outcome, which is, you know, increase task completion by 10% in this particular workflow. And then you can do all of the work, do the research to understand why it's dropped, validate that there's a real reason to invest there and it's not a blip. And then when you do that investment, it's all of it is towards getting that metric to go back up from a product perspective, it can be really easy on that side, or it can be much more complicated. You're developing a brand new feature and that feature could address multiple problems. Then you need to decide which of those problems and for which clients you want to focus on. Because you, I don't think in that case, it is healthy to try to solve all of them. It can be hard to pick. And I think you just have to make a decision, almost a best guess. If there's two or three or four, you're probably not going to you really shouldn't focus on them all, I think. So what kind of blowback do you get when you try to become outcome focused in these situations that you described? Is there any? The macro organization, we always want outcome focused. So there's not any acute blowback. You know, the entire R&D department is focused on outcome. Team actively fights against output focus. I think you do run into, into things like customer requests. And they don't care necessarily that you have an outcome focused process. They just want you to deliver something quickly. So they really do care about speed of development and output. Your internal teams that satisfy those customers, depending on the pressure that they're under and how they're structured, you could get a lot of internal pressure from those teams possibly to get something out the door quickly, you know, to move faster, to just, you know, air quotes here, just get it built. I have heard this so many times where the client's like, yeah, we just want this done very quickly. Don't put too much effort into it. That never actually translates or applies because when you just do it quickly, the client's like, I was expecting something better. <laughs> yeah, or, or or even better, the client doesn't know what the hell they want, right? They say, we need X, and that's a reaction, right? And if you just go and build it, <laughs> nine times out of 10, you'll give it to them and be like, what the hell is this? 
you know, <laughs> or you get halfway through it and they'll change the spec on you five times. So that's a painful lesson we've learned a few times. Just push the brakes, like push the brakes a bit and be like, are you sure? Why don't we dig into this? And you have to get them off of being output focused and solution focused towards <laughs> understanding the real problem. On this side of the fence, if you think about, you know, being a vendor or a production arm or an order taker. So for example, if somebody, if a client came to me and told me that, Paul, I want to make some cassette tapes. I'd be like, wait, why are you trying to make some cassette tapes? That technology doesn't even exist. But if you were an order taker, you would literally be like, okay, I need to go make some cassettes. Have you run into a situation in which the client just is adamant they need cassettes? How do you address that? That's a really good question. Is that when the client comes to you with a request, I typically ask them, well, why do you want this? What are you trying to do? How is this going to help you with your business? And who are you making this for? So I ask all these inquisitive and curious questions to understand why, the what, the how, the who. And by asking all those questions, what happens is that the, you find that the client, as they're trying to answer those questions, they find themselves in a position where they're like, wait a second, who gave us this idea? Why are we even making cassette tapes? And I find that in most situations, the client themselves are like, wait one second, we actually don't know why we want this. Maybe you can tell us what is a better way, right? Perfect. But that all depends on if you're trying to diagnose or you're trying to listen. So I think there's a difference between listening and hearing, being a vendor or being a strategic partner. So there is that lens. I think that that's really an important note. The listening versus hearing or less experienced designers who aren't really paying attention. You know, they're hearing the client, but they're not really listening to what, what's being said. That's actually such a good point. And there's so many double clicks into that. But if I was to pick my favorites out of that, the first thing is fear of looking stupid in front of the client. Two is not having the right amount of experience to know what kind of questions to ask. And then three, to be able to read the room or to read the client's expressions mm. because a client could be saying this, 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 but they could be meaning that, that, that. So that comes with experience and like really paying attention and not listening with the intent of responding, but listening to understand. And that's how you shift from being output focused, which is being a vendor and a production arm to becoming outcome focused and being a strategic part. That makes a lot of sense. Practical advice here then. How would you suggest you begin an engagement with a client? How do you get to an agreement on the output that you're focused on? So the first step is actually to have a conversation where you're listening to understand and to figure out what is the actual objective and outcome that the client has in mind. And if they don't know, you can ask them more questions to help them figure out, okay, what is it that they're trying to do and how is that going to impact? In certain cases, what happens is that the client themselves don't know what the business outcomes are and what the business objectives are. This could happen because of multiple reasons. You know, you're talking to a person who doesn't have that level of decision-making power, experience enough, or they're not fully integrated across the firm or their company to know how one thing that they're doing and focusing on is going to affect something else. Some mm -hmm. easy ways to address that is to talk to somebody who has the decision-making power, who has, who might be the founder or the CEO, or who has a broader context, has a more macro view. So that's really important is to, when you're asking these questions and you're trying to get to the outcomes, you want to get to the macro view because that's the vision. Other thing is that once you kind of identify those, I have understood this to be your challenge. This is how you're currently thinking of solving that problem. But the actual outcome that you have in mind is this. And I'll be like, okay, let me take this away and think about it. And when I take it back, 
I kind of assess and try to connect the dots of everything that that we talked about. What does it mean? What What is the industry doing? How have other people tried to solve a similar problem? I'll usually go back to the client and say, okay, this is what we talked about. This is what you defined as your outcome. These are some of the solutions that you we had originally come up in our first meeting. But I think that what we're really trying to solve is this thing, because what we were talking about in the past, in the first meeting was actually more about the symptoms, but the actual problem is actually this. And these are potential ways to solve that problem. Now, what do you think? And I try to have more of a conversation versus present ideas. I go with an approach of here's some thinking and with sketches and whiteboards, I don't go in with like fancy presentations. And what that does is it lets the client know that we're having a conversation and we're co-creating. This is something that we also talked about, by the way, in our previous episode. Go watch that. Yes, exactly. So the idea is that I come back, having done some research, looked into the different pieces, try to connect the dots and say, okay. And sometimes what the client has said is the thing that they need that needs to be done, which is great because they've kind of thought about it. Because for myself as well, I don't want to be tied or married to a certain solution and be able to look at everything from like a fourth dimension. So it's really helpful to look at it, to not only look at the same problem from multiple perspectives, but also go in with an open mind and say, okay, you know what? This is how we could solve this problem, but we can also solve it like this. This might be more efficient. This might be faster. You know, so what is the priority? So once you kind of decide what solution you like, which is usually based on, you know, time to the solution, sometimes the client has more time. So then you might explore more. The long winded answer is that depending on what you decide as the outcome, the solutions can vary. And the solution is usually decided on based on timelines, priority in terms of do they need something for tomorrow? Do they need it after a month? So there's so many other factors that play into deciding on what the solution is going to be. At this point, you've, you and the client have agreed on an outcome. And you just mentioned that something that could be a real stressor on that is timeline. So if you have a really short timeline, or I guess this is also true of a really long timeline, you know, people tend to forget things or let things meander. How do you ensure that throughout the process, you're referring to that original outcome goal and checking the work that you're doing against it? How do you stay focused on that? What I do is a couple of things. The first thing is that every time we talk about that project or we have a meeting, I always invest one to two minutes talking about the why. Why are we doing this? What is the end goal? That helps solidify in all the stakeholders' minds why, but also the what. First thing is repetition, constantly reminding every person working on the project the why. What is the end goal? The second thing is that it's actually going away from this old mad men era style of like presenting the genius ideas to getting into this co-creative sharing napkin sketches, whiteboards, having conversations and giving them full access to all the research and everything that we're doing. At no point does the client feel surprised at what we're working on. Now, there is one tale of caution that I would bring up is that when you try to get outcome focused and you get into the why, sometimes these conversations can have not only the stakeholders, but your own team begin to like overthink and you want to stay away from overthinking stuff that can cause a lot of decision making fatigue. What I try to do is often remind all the stakeholders involved of the why and the what, but not get into overthinking, which leads to decision making fatigue and project fatigue. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. We have had similar experiences where depending on the scope of the project that you're working on and how well understood the outcome is and the challenges to achieving that outcome is you can see a lot of scope creep 
on projects where, you know, run into like, it'd be cool if it'd be cool if, or I'm not sure if we should do this one thing. So let's spec out three of them, three different variations and staying focused on the outcome can be difficult for long running projects. I find because you give yourself the space to think about more things and how, you know, the system as a whole interact. And then you kind of have to pull it back together and start cutting things out, knowing full well what you're getting rid of, but for the sake of staying on target on the outcome, which is sometimes uncomfortable, but you're really trying to make sure that at the end of the day, you can prove that you achieve that outcome. So now that you've worked on the project uh, with your client, you believe you've come to a point at which, you know, okay, here's the, the deliverable, it achieves the outcome. How do you prove that? How do you actually know when the work that you've done has achieved the outcome that you've, you've intended? In scenario number one, the outcome is actually very tangible. It's a thing. They need an app design or a website or whatever that thing is. Okay, check mark. So you've delivered a thing to the client. So that's how you know the outcome has been achieved. Second situation, it's more about the results. In this case, it's about how many users signed up to the newsletter. How much awareness did we create? How many people did we reach? How many people bought the product? The outcome could be a tangible thing or it could be a result. But the tools that we have today, you can pretty much measure anything and everything. You can gauge how your audience interacted with a certain product or they didn't interact with a product. If they liked something or they didn't like something, how many people saw it, how many people didn't see it, you could do segmentation. This kind of leads into a further question, which is when you're done the work that you've experienced doing, how long does the engagement last after you've sort of delivered the work? Are you around to do the measuring? Is the client doing the measuring themselves? And then coming back to saying, hey, this worked out great or not, but that's not sufficient. It, it also has to be that the app or the website did something. You know, it drove a certain amount of signups. It got a certain amount of engagement, either you know, clicks or view time or what have you, that kind of thing. So to do that, to get that information though, you have to kind of release it and then measure. And That's a really good question. Now, why I brought up three different examples is that if you're outcome focused, then you're going to be talking about results. You're going to be talking about the outcomes. A better way to understand or to address what you're asking is that it actually goes to the kind of relationship that you have with the client. Now, if it's a project-based mm -hmm. relationship versus if you are on a retainership or if it's a long-term relationship, if the deal is value-based or it's a retainer or it's project-based. So there's those factors that come into the equation. If you're truly a strategic partner to the client and their outcomes and their goals, then you have a long-term vision that also reflects in the, in the engagement that you have with the client. Typically, what you would do is you would make a thing and then you would go into an iterative cycle till you get to the results, till you get to those outcomes that were agreed upon. In certain cases where agencies have value-based pricing, what they'll say is that it will produce this deliverable, will get you these many users. But if we exceed these many users, this is how much more we will take as remuneration. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Exactly. So depending on the kind of relationship you have with the client and how deeply invested you are in that relationship will determine how closely you are focused on those outcomes. So if I understand you correctly, then there are scenarios in which your relationship is very project based. You're going to go in, do the work, hand the work off get paid for that work and walk away. There are other relationships which could be much longer running. You are just as vested in the long-term impact of your work as the client is. And so then you are around then to iterate, to work on the solution, to make it better and more effective over time. Yeah, absolutely. It all depends on the engagement, the level of trust, the type of engagement it is. 
the kind of ask. There's no one solution to all. There's no band-aid to all these problems. You know, every problem is, every situation is unique. The context is different. The budgets are different. The timelines are different. Based on all those different variables that come into play, you agree upon the outcome, which could just be, in certain cases, an output. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. So depending on the type of relationship, success really could be as simple as delivering the asset that was asked of you uh, that satisfies their their want at the time, which is really interesting because at one point I had a conversation with a friend who, uh, who did agency work and he left it to go into product work because he felt that the one thing he was missing, at least from the, where he worked, was this ability to sort of have a a long relationship with the work that he was doing and to be able to, over the course of years, iterate on it, change it, improve it, drop it, you know, but learn constantly about that one, really go really deep on that one particular either product line or product feature. In a product company, how do you know you've achieved those outcomes? The audience for the product, the feature, your desired engagement level, the actions, explicit actions you're going to track that will indicate to you, you know, either completion of a task or the satisfaction of a want, either on the user's behalf or ours. You can actually track those things and then observe which users do them well, which don't, and then understand, is that a product problem? Did we build the wrong thing? Or understand if that's an, a design problem, is it hard to use? Is it not clear what people should be doing and that sort of thing? You do have this long running relationship with the work that you do, where you're either eventually going to decide to drop it entirely or invest, or it's good enough, right? And then it just, it runs into maintenance mode. And now you have sort of a dashboard that tracks these products and features that are doing well. And you're just watching to see if anything dips down unexpectedly or skyrockets unexpectedly. And then you can do some research to understand why that changed occurred. That's a great point, Andrew. Now let's quickly summarize for our audience, for the people listening, the key points that we talked about, and then we'll segue into how we can take that outcome-focused mindset and apply it to our internal creative team, how we can lead them towards the the right direction. So we talked ultimately about getting clear at the beginning of project on what the outcome is. So really having collaborative conversations with the client or your team, doing the research at the beginning, you know, you move slowly at the beginning to really understand the problem and what you're trying to achieve well, and then move quickly later, staying focused on the outcome. I think Paul, you mentioned, you know, every time you're having a meeting, it's talking about the why you're trying to do the work again, grounding the team and the outcome that you're focused on. And then knowing that you've achieved the outcome is a mix. So it could either be delivering something depending on the engagement, or it can be putting in measures and metrics and setting goals. You're going to actually track over time to know the, whether or not you're achieving those outcomes. Some other points that I would add to this list is that how output focus is about being a vendor, being in a production arm, being an order taker and how outcome focus is thinking about business objectives and business goals. Being outcome focused makes you a strategic partner and puts you in a spot where you're now invested in the client's success. Now let's segue into how we take these outcomes and and internalize them for our teams. So from my perspective, communication. And that can mean that communicating with the business to identify first the problem that you're working on and why you're working on it. Then with your team internally to advocate for the outcome, because I think 
you know, it's not always agreed upon what that outcome should be at the beginning. And then um, just like you mentioned, frequent touch points, you know, every week or every couple of days that you're engaging on that project, you know, having a spec that you can refer to that says why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for, what you're measuring to ensure that you're going to determine success later and trying to stay focused on addressing those items as opposed to the what ifs and feature creep that comes up later. And then communicating again outwardly, so whether that's all hands meeting, blogging or what have you, it's or demoing. It, it, it's really about taking the work that you're doing. And then at some point, hopefully you're going to push that work out. And now your team has a cadence for watching it a week later, two weeks later, tracking it, making sure it's good. And then if you have to re-engage on that project, again, back to communication. Why are you re-engaging? What improvement or change are you looking for from your first iteration? Sort of the cycle that you just keep going through over and over again. But it's really about making sure that you're over communicating why you're doing what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve because your team is likely to get hyper-focused on solving the problems once they're in it. And it's important to have someone there who can remind them, come up for air, level set, look at the milestones, make sure you're on track for the right things, and then get back into it. One of the takeaways from what you're saying is that by being outcome-focused, there's this inherent honesty that's embedded into everything that you're doing. You constantly ask yourself, why are we doing this? I have a amazing idea, but how is it relevant and going to lead to the outcome that we've talked about? I think one really important thing is to recognize that if you're leading teams or if you're a, a senior contributor, you you have the ability to be a bridge builder. That's really important in an outcome focused environment because you really want to bring the people who are working on the project together and to collaborate and to get those different perspectives contributing to the solution that you're trying to, to ultimately build to satisfy the outcomes. And so the more people that you have at the table who can be facilitators, I think that the better your chances are for success on a given project. The story that plays in my mind is that every time you're working Working with your team in your head, the voice of the client and their customers is constantly being the gut check to every decision that you're making. So if your teammate comes up with some cool ideas, you're constantly asking, well, how is this satisfying the needs of my client and then their customers? Absolutely. Because it's so easy to go from, I need to build a car to, I need to build a car that can go 300 miles an hour. They're different things particularly when the speed limits everywhere are, you know, 60 miles an hour. And <laughs> That's such a good example. <laughs> optimizing for high-end speed doesn't do anyone any good when you can't hit 60 yet, right? And so you, you need to make sure that those milestones are in place and that you stay focused on the right thing. What you're saying is a really good point. It's not just the customer's voice, but also at the beginning of this project, you set up some guidelines and some guideposts about what you are focusing on and hopefully what you're not focusing on. That's also an important list to build, at least along the way. Really great point here on outcomes and outcomes versus uh, output and then how that ties to being a vendor to strategic partner and then how outcomes is the north star and give brings mm -hmm. honesty to not only your own internal process but how you work with the client by being outcome focused you are inherently result oriented and goal oriented the one thing that also stands out to me which we didn't touch on much but perspective on the culture of your business because if your whole business is one about just a machine put out work put out work you'll burn people out you'll get the wrong type of employee, especially if you're considering that now we live in this like global world where everyone's working remote, best talent can go work at the best companies. The best talent wants to work at a place where they feel like they can contribute their intelligent thoughts to the solution making of the thing that they're working on. No one wants to be a cog in the machine. And so really focusing on outputs means that your business 
has a better chance of attracting good talent, of retaining that talent, having better economic results. And people feel more connected to the company's mission, what it's trying to achieve, which helps you with, you know, employee retention as well. People need to know their why and the purpose and have a purpose of what they're building and what they're working on. By giving them that purpose, you reinforce they are part of a bigger picture and they're helping solve a bigger problem. This is something that creative leaders typically struggle with, especially smaller agencies and firms where they're unable to attract talent because they're unclear of their own vision and unable to translate that into a solid purpose that an employee or a team member can own. Hey, maybe that's something we'll get into next or we should put yeah. it on the list. I think yeah. selling your business yeah. in and of itself is a topic on its own and has many areas we could dive into. But this has been really great. So if you're looking to learn more about this, where would you sort of point people to whether it's books, podcasts, whomever, right? anything? For creative practitioners, one of the books I would highly recommend is Simon Sinek's Why. A podcast that I would re totally recommend for creative professionals is Two Bobs. This is a podcast that I listen to personally on a regular basis for like super young talent just coming out of college and university. They could actually listen to Crystal from the future. He brings up this topic of the why, purpose, outcomes, and having this mind shift from being a vendor to being a strategic partner. On my side, I'd say there's a couple of key frameworks that you could look into using. I mentioned OKRs already. If you're interested in that, read Measure What Matters by John Doerr. There's a ton of, of resources out there on OKRs. Uh, you can look at V2Mom, which was created by Salesforce. It's what they use to align their entire company. There's a ton of resources out there, but you really should just go look at their website to uh, read more about it. But frameworks are just frameworks, right? They're just a tool to use. You're going to have to work with it, find your version, find what works for you. From another book, I'd look at Radical Focus by Christina Watke is really good as well. Yeah, we can drop all these links and references in the show notes of the podcast episode. That concludes episode number two for Pixel and Pop.